welcome to General Conference Conversations, where we have conversations about General Conference. I'm your host, Kaylin, and I'm super excited to be here with you studying the words of Christ's chosen leaders. I hope you enjoy. Hello, hello, and uh, welcome back to another episode of General Conference Conversations. It's been a few weeks. I was actually hoping to get this episode filmed and out before Christmas because it was the this is the last talk in the Saturday afternoon session and <clears throat> I was hoping to like finish the Saturday afternoon session before I took a break for the holidays. Um but then I got sick. If you remember the last the last episode that I recorded, <clears throat> um I was just starting to get sick. And I felt just well enough that I could I could sit and talk for like 40 minutes. <laughs> and then um, and I should have just recorded two episodes while I was sitting there. But I was like, oh, I'll be fine by Monday. It, it's fine because I, I think I recorded that on a Thursday or something like that. And I was like, I'll be fine in a few days. And I was not. <laughs> I was worse. <laughs> so um, I ended up just deciding to not do it um, until now. So. You'll actually get an extra episode this week. I'm going to do three this week to catch up to where I wanted to be um, and kind of what I planned. So <clears throat> this one will come out today and then it'll be on Thursday and then Saturday. And then we'll go back to two, two episodes a week to, to be ready for April <clears throat> in just a couple months. I am still a little bit sick. Like I feel fine, but I have a cough that has... <clears throat> as you can tell, I have a cough that has stuck with me. Um, I felt pretty good since like right before Christmas, like um, day before Christmas Eve. I finally felt like I could get up and like do stuff. I actually had energy and I wasn't <clears throat> dying on the couch. Um, but but then for the last two weeks, I've had this just like so like phlegm in the back of my throat and it's just kind of gross. So <clears throat> I have water. Hopefully I won't cough too much. <laughs> I don't like clear my throat a lot. Um, but yeah, we are, so this is going to be the last talk in the Saturday afternoon session. And then we'll move on to Saturday evening session. And I have... Um, I am working on the Saturday evening session study guide. Um, I have everything ready for it. I just need to put it all together. And I'm hoping, I know I've said this like five times, but at least by the end of the month, if not earlier, having the whole study guide ready. <clears throat> and I did figure out how to get it printed physical copies. So you can um, order those once I get all of that finished and uh, put together. I will obviously I'll let I'll let you guys know when that when that happens. So <clears throat> um so yeah um but today we're talking about Elder Christopherson's talk, the doctrine of belonging. And I, I really enjoyed this talk um even just like the title you know I've said before that phrases there are phrases that just stick and phrases that just or, or you know a certain wording of something that makes me think about something in a new way and the doctrine of belonging 
it was just really cool. So as usual, uh, I encourage you to listen to or uh, read this talk for yourself, by yourself, uh, before you come and listen to me talk about it. And hopefully I can add something or ask a question in a way that makes you think. Um, <clears throat> so, doctrine of belonging. So, he starts out by talking about, he's like, ah, this is what I call the doctrine of belonging. And it has three parts. <clears throat> One, the role of belonging in gathering the Lord's covenant people, the importance of service, sorry, two, the importance of service and sacrifice in belonging, and three, the centrality of Jesus Christ to belonging. And <clears throat> so he kind of goes through, those are, that's kind of the framework for his talk, is talking about these three things. Um, and he, but he starts talking about diversity, kind of, he talks about like, how, um, how, how many nations and languages and countries the church operates in, that it's not just an American religion. Um, and I think for me, I grew up in the States, I live in Canada, so sometimes it's hard for me to, and I, I serve my mission in the States as well. So it's not even like I went to Europe and I was like, oh, this is how the church is in Germany, or this is how the church is in the Philippines. Um, I've experienced the church in England, but even that is, it was in English and it was, there's not a whole lot of customs that are different. And so um, I, I like when it's, when, when we're reminded, um, especially in something like General Conference, that like, <laughs> this is being broadcast to 190 countries in hundreds of languages, maybe not hundreds, but a lot of languages. <clears throat> and you know, that it's not just us walking down the street in the States or in North America, um, but it's it's lifting up people and we have brothers and sisters and people who believe just the way that we do on the other side of the world. <clears throat> and he, um, he, he says this, which I thought was also really cool. He said, this is not a calculated or for forced diversity, but a naturally occurring phenomenon that we would expect recognizing the gospel met gathers from every nation and every people. And yes, like I, <clears throat> um, I know there's a lot of and I always say I don't want to get too political, but I will bring this up. There's a lot about, you know, forced diversity and, you know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? Uh, requiring that you have like a certain number of ethnicities and races on boards and in whatever, like we tend to, and those things are important. It's important to have diversity and it's important to as I was just saying, it's important to remember that we're, that me as an American woman <clears throat> who has a very specific life story and experiences, that I'm not the only one, that I, that my experience is not the only experience. Um, and even, you know, my best friend who is also an American woman, <laughs> her life is very different than mine. <clears throat> And 
that, that that's a good thing and that, you know, being one, and this is what I'll talk about a lot of what this is that I want to talk about in this talk, that being one doesn't mean that we're all the same. So anyway, um, <clears throat> so he talks about how blessed we are, that we have the knowledge of the, um, the knowledge of the gospel and how many people have looked forward to this day, uh, to the day of the restoration and getting ready for the second coming. Um, and then he says this. Um, having been given this privilege, we cannot permit any racism, tribal prejudice, or other divisions to exist in the Latter-day Saint, the, sorry, the Latter-day Church of Christ. The Lord commands us, be one, and if ye are not one, ye are not mine. We should be diligent in rooting prejudice and discrimination out of the church, out of our homes, and most of all, out of our hearts. As our church population grows ever more diverse, our welcome must grow ever more spontaneous and warm. We need one another. And I really love that. Um, there's a, a talk. Mm-hmm. President Nelson, I believe, gave a talk. You know, I should have I should have looked it up. He gave a talk about rooting out racism. I don't know if it was all about rooting out racism or if that was part of the talk. Um I mean he did give the whole talk in I believe it was April no, last October about um, rooting prejudice out of our lives and rooting out like conflict, right? Um, was that in April? I think that was in April. I'm getting my dates messed up. Yeah, so I, I would have done an episode about that. Anyway, um, but, but like as I was saying, being one, as the be one and if you are not one, you're not mine. Being one does not mean that we are all the same person. Being one does not mean that we're all making the same choices, that we all look the like, that we all live exactly the same way. <clears throat> we have the covenant path of these these steps that take us closer to Christ. Um, but those steps look different in everybody's life. I went through the temple. I, I got my endowments because I went on a mission. Some people get endowments because they get married. Some people get their endowments because they want to, because they think it's time for them. Um, and it doesn't always happen at 24 or 25. You know, sometimes it happens at 73. And so those steps are the same for everybody. Faith repentance, gift, or, um, baptism, the gift of the Holy Ghost, and other covenants, those steps are all the same. The process is the same. But the way that we go about that process, the way that process works in our individual lives is going to be different than the person sitting next to us because we are not the person sitting next to us and they are not us. And so he actually, he quotes the scripture um, just after this quote, actually, the uh, it's First Corinthians 
12, 12 and 13, and 25 and 26 about the the body of Christ, that we are all body, the body of Christ. The body has many members, right? A body made of all eyeballs wouldn't really be um, effective. It <laughs> wouldn't be alive. A body of all mouths or a body of all teeth, a body of all hair, like that's not that's not useful. And so when we are all body of Christ, you know, I might be a hand and my best friend's going to be a foot, like depending on our, but we're all one. We're all working towards the same goal and the same cause. We have, we have, we have one in purpose. We always say that with the Godhead, right? They're not one being, they're one in purpose. Um, so so that's kind of his whole thing is is that because we are supposed to be one in purpose, prejudice and racism and discrimination um, doesn't help us with that. It pushes people away. It, it, it divides us rather than unites us. So so that's my question. My first question for you is how can you root out racism and prejudice in your life? Um, and I know that's also getting kind of political, but we all have unconscious biases. And that doesn't mean that we are bad people. That doesn't mean that we do it on purpose or are trying to hurt people. Um, but the way that we are influenced by the world, by news, by social media, by other people, even our past experiences, we are going to have unconscious bias towards people. Whether that's uh, racism or prejudice in a number of other ways, gender or um, sexual orientation, um, age, literally anything, <clears throat> what language you speak, what country you come from. Um, and so it's easy when we don't catch it. And so just knowing that we have that, recognizing that we might look at somebody a certain way because that's how we've been programmed, it's not the right word. What am I thinking of? Um, I can't think of the word. <laughs> My brain's not working today. That's how we've been taught is also not the right word that I'm looking for. but. <clears throat> that's how we've experienced life that's how we've, we've experienced the world and so um like understand that and recognizing it and that doesn't mean we have to be perfect that doesn't mean that we're not gonna still think those things or say those things but learning how those things are hurtful and listening to the people that we might have prejudice against and like meeting them and hearing their stories and seeing their humanity and um, that they're just children of God, just like us who are trying to get through a crazy world. Um, it's important. Um, so that's kind of my take on it, but how can you do that? How do you, um, or maybe you're already doing it. There's also, um, 
so there's a podcast that I really adore that they actually just came back. They took a break last year um, with the Old Testament. They got a few months in and they were like, it's it's too much for us. We're going to take a break for a while. But they just started posting again for the New Testament literally like yesterday. And I'm so excited because they're amazing. Um, it's called Beyond the Block. And their whole thing is centering the marginalized in Mormonism. So um, <clears throat> one... Uh, the hosts is um, a black member of the church, and one is a queer convert to the church. And so they talk a lot about racism. They also talk a lot about feminism and sexism. They talk about um, homophobia and just like <clears throat> centering that and like and and looking at the margins and how Christ treated those in the margins. Um, so I'm excited to hear about them for the New Testament. But last year, after President Nelson made the 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 plea to root out racism and prejudice, um, one of the hosts, James Jones, made an online class um, called "Anti LDS Anti Racism 101: Abandoning Attitudes and Actions of Prejudice." And so it's an online class. They sell it on their website. Um, I don't remember how much it is, but it's also, they also have a, a pay what you can um, kind of honor system thing that if that, if that price is a little bit too much for you. Um, they also have a package for like whole wards. Um, I have not personally taken it, but I love the way that they I love their podcast and so I know I'm sure that I would love um, the way that he talks about things in that so that's if that's an option if you're curious about that anti-racism and, and like rooting out prejudice and stuff in the context of like an LDS ward um, so that's also an option anyway so we're gonna move on <laughs> um, he goes on to talk about a sense of belonging is important to our physical, mental, and spiritual well-being. And, <clears throat> but it's also possible that we might feel like we don't fit in. And so he says this. I made notes and now I don't remember what my notes mean. Anyway, I'll, I'll think about it. Anyway, he says this. We may unwittingly impose expectations on others, or even ourselves, that are not the Lord's expectations. We may communicate in subtle ways that the worth of a soul is based on certain achievements or callings, but these are not the measure of our standing in the Lord's eyes. The Lord looketh on the heart. He cares about our desires and longings and what we are becoming. And I just really love that just in... in general like in the context of this but also in the context of the church and the context of life um that we are comparison is the thief of joy that comparison i i i've thought about this for a long time comparison is either either it's pride or it's um it's pride or What's the other one that I 
I, I came up with something very cool that I was like, oh, that phrase triggers me, but I can't think of it right now. But either you're judging yourself or you're judging someone else. And both are not good <laughs> spiritually, mentally, um, emotionally. And um, and I thought again of the new For Strength of Youth pamphlet that um, the old one, in my opinion, as a youth, because that was the one that I had my entire youth. That's what I've been brought up on, those standards of dress and dating and language and everything. We did whole lessons about them in Sunday school that they imposed very specific expectations on not only youth, but on the adults in the ward as well. Um, that me personally, I would look at people and be like, mm, her dress is really short. Hasn't she ever read The First Strength of Youth? Um, and on myself as well, be like, well, I really want to, I don't know, get a tattoo. Um, I've thought about it. <laughs> but like that, that judgment of like, oh, I said a bad word. I'm really, I'm really in for it. And that the worth, like he says, we may communicate in subtle ways. The worth of a soul is based on certain achievements or callings, but these are not the measure of our standing in the Lord's eyes. We are not judged based on what callings we hold or what kind of dress that we're wearing. We're judged on the contents of our character and how much effort we're trying to put in, how how much we fail, but also how much we try and get up the next day and do better. And so there's a, a story that he's, I'm not going to read it all because it's kind of long, um, but I, I encourage you to read it again if, if you, and if you haven't read this talk, read, read the story, it's really good. Um, it was written by Jody King, it was a, a Liahona article <clears throat> called uh, Belonging in the Church to the Lens of Infertility. And so she um, she starts out by saying, I never felt like I didn't belong at church until my husband Cameron and I began struggling with infertility. And so then going to church, seeing everybody with families and hearing all of the talk that we always talk about with children and families and eternal families and ceilings and the temple and like all these stuff gets really triggering. And... Um, And so I thought about my um, my experiences as a missionary, my experiences as a youth Sunday school teacher, and now as a primary teacher. Um, that I try my hardest to be inclu as inclusive as I can when I teach. And it's easier now because I have a very small class. Um, last year, we just switched classes, but last year I only had four kids and this year I only have two. And so 
I can kind of know their life. Like I kind of understand, like I'm getting to know their family situations. I'm getting to know their personalities and things like that. Um, but it can be hard in the class that's bigger, even, you know, 10 or 15 people. Um, and especially in like a Sunday school or religious study class when you have 20 to 30 people sitting in your class to try and tailor a lesson to everybody. And you're not going to be able to do it. It's not going to be perfect ever. We're <laughs> not going to be perfect ever. But, but trying to, um, to be aware of what might pitfall somebody especially with something like infertility or even just not wanting to have kids or people who aren't married at all when we talk about families it can be really really hard and so being like even just expanding your vocabulary to oh your family and your future family but also like your parents and your siblings they not just your nuclear family but your extended family your aunts and your uncles and cousins um that, you know, even if you're single, you still have a family or you have a ward family or you have a chosen family. Um, my, I had a teaching companion uh, when we were, before I moved here, I was a youth Sunday school teacher, which I absolutely adored. And my teaching companion was so good at this and she knew her kids. Um, she had taught them primary, she had taught seminary for a while, so she kind of, she knew them, and she had been the ward for ages, and so she knew all of their families, and we have the older group, and there, especially there was one boy who his parent, his father passed away just a few years before, like three or four, maybe not even that, and so she always made an effort to, like, to change the way that she talked about things and be like, oh, well, when your parents talk about this and Joe and your mom does it or when your dad used to talk about this, um, or especially like the family proclamation to the world. We had that as our end of the year thing a couple of years ago, not a couple of years ago, last year, that was the, that was the last, after the Doctrine and Covenants, that was the last section was the family proclamation to the world. And that can be really hard for somebody who, doesn't have two parents, that their family doesn't look ideal. My family also doesn't look ideal. She didn't know that. She didn't know much of my background. I only I had only known her for a couple of months. Um, but it meant a lot to me for her to make that effort to be like, but, you know, just because your family doesn't look exactly like this doesn't mean that, that this doesn't apply to you. Um, and so that's kind of been my effort with this podcast, as a teacher, um, having, being somebody who my family doesn't look perfect. Um, I have many, many friends who are inactive, less active, members of the LGBTQ community. Um, my husband and I don't have kids. We've only been married like a year and a few months, but we don't have kids yet. And so we've had those questions of, oh, when are you going to have children? Are you pregnant yet? Um, and I understand how annoying that can be. <laughs> um, that my effort has always been to try to make this applicable to everybody. And sometimes it's hard because to talk about missionary work when it's only talking about missionary work to missionaries or to prospective missionaries um, is 
hard or like the one um elder suarez's talk about in partnership with the lord talking about like the roles of husbands and wives how do you apply that to somebody who is single who is either never been married or is divorced or widowed right like a 12 year old who is not married yet and is probably not thinking about marriage um but I try my best to say like, well, these things also apply just to regular relationships, to non-romantic relationships with, with, with parents, with siblings, with children, with friends, and even coworkers and bosses and colleagues. Um, and so that has been my effort with this. And I hope I do a good job. I know I'm not perfect all the time. Um, but, but that's my kind of second question is what can we do in our callings and endeavors to help others feel welcome in our wards and in our lives? And I liked earlier, I read this, uh, this quote, um, as our church population grows ever more diverse, our welcome must grow ever more spontaneous and warm. And I liked how he phrased that, that we need to be spontaneous and warm. Um, and that's not easy. It's not, we're not going to be perfect at that, right? But welcoming anybody who comes through our doors. We literally have on every church building visitors welcome. No matter what you look like, no matter what you're doing, no matter who you are, you are welcome as long as you're not, you know, hurting people, obviously. Um, but what can you do? What can you do in your calling, whether you're a teacher or an, a counselor, an advisor, or even just in your ministering? How can you try to make everybody feel welcome regardless of their personal situations even if you don't even if you don't know their personal situations but being compassionate and understanding and listening when somebody says that makes me feel uncomfortable please don't do that um do 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 and yeah so he talks about like leaving the judgment in the lord's hands and being content to love and treat each other the best that we can. Um, there's a year and a half ago, it's been a while, that I had a very big epiphany and I really loved it. Um, it came from two different social media comments on two different, like, one was a page for sister missionaries that I was still on. One was on the stories of somebody's Instagram account. That they were sharing some of the comments they had gotten. And one talked about how, because the question was, what's the difference between faith, hope, and charity? No. Yes. Faith, hope, and charity. Like charity is pretty easy, but faith and hope, what's, what's the difference, right? And since those three are used simultaneously so many times in the scriptures, you know, there's got to be a difference otherwise they just say faith or they just say hope. And so somebody had said that faith is, um, faith is, faith in Christ, right, is the faith that he really did perform the atonement. It's kind of a past thing. Hope is for the future. That we hope, that we have hope, that we, um, that Christ will judge us ju justly. 
and our charity is what we do in the present, that we are kind to others and um, that we love and treat others the best we can. And the other comment was about um, judging, saving, and love. And it was kind of along the same lines that um, the role of judgment has already been taken by God. The love, the, the job of saving has already been taken. That's taken by Christ. He saves us. And the, the, the job of loving is left to us. And so putting those together, right? We have faith that Christ saved us and that he saved everybody. And we have hope that God will judge us justly and judge everybody around us justly um, for good or for bad, right? And in the present, we have charity and we have love and our job is to love. Our job is to love people with the hope and the faith that, that we will be judged fairly and that other people will be judged fairly. I'll throw that in there because that has kind of opened my eyes to like, what's, what's my job? And he says that, he says that very, <laughs> very succinctly. Let us leave judgment in the Lord's hands and be content to love and treat others treat each other the best we can so he also talks a lot about pioneers and I know I've gone kind of flung there's a lot of comments that I had about this that I didn't realize but he talks a lot about pioneers I'm getting to the end he talks about a lot about the pioneers and because his second thing right in the doctrine of belonging was um I'll make sure I get it right the importance of service and sacrifice and so he talks a lot about the pioneers and the things that they sacrificed, the things that um, the things that they did to get us to where we are now. Um, and so he talks about consecrating themselves and their means to the cause of Zion. And as I was saying earlier, being one is is that we are our one cause that we are working towards one thing we're working towards eternal life and peace and joy right like we're all striving to be like christ um i did want to point out because this is important to me personally and something that I really struggle with sometimes. Please don't serve at the cost of your own spiritual, mental, or physical health. You can't, <laughs> you can't water a flower if you don't have water in your bucket. Like you can't give anybody else something if you don't have anything for yourself. And of course, for some people, service fills their bucket. Um, and sometimes service fills my bucket. I love service, but there are days that I don't even want to leave the house and that's okay. Um, and it's going to look different for everybody as well. I'm a very introverted person. I don't know if I come across that. The only reason I can talk this openly and freely is because I'm talking to a screen and not to actual people. I know logically that people are listening to this, but I can't see you. 
and but I so I'm a very introverted person so something like this talking like this and getting kind of my point across and hearing feedback um works for me um the same way that so my friend and I run it kind of just me at the moment but um we've had an Instagram account running for a while about about things in the church about gospel topics and that's an easier way for me who also has social anxiety to share my thoughts about the gospel and so I'm not somebody who it's not easy for me it's actually really terrifying to go and knock on my neighbor's door and like introduce myself and be like hey we're new here I don't know who you are I don't know your name we've been in this ward for eight months and I'm just starting to feel like I have friends like I have people that I can like text and be like let's go to lunch sometime um and so you know consecrating yourself to the cause of Zion and serving and you know being part of the church doesn't always mean that you're 24 7 doing everything for the church that it's, it's okay to have boundaries <laughs> it's okay to say no um because if you are an empty husk of a person, you're not doing anybody any good, including yourself. So that's my thing, just throwing that in there, um, because I am that person, and I've been working on that for years. Um, I love to work, and I know the benefits of work. I My dad taught me work ethic, um, and I think it's the only reason that I am where I am today. Um, but sometimes I work to the detriment of my mental health and then I crash. And that's not doing anybody any good, including me, because then I work, work, and work for like a month and then for two weeks I'm out of commission. That's not how it's supposed to be. So just going to have to throw that in there. Um, and his last thing is it's not just fellowship that we belong. It's not just service and it's not just a community. It's because we, we join because of Christ. We join for this redemption. We join for covenants and we join for baptism. And for that shared love of Christ, that's our cause, is that we are, we are trying to be like him. We are trying, we, we are striving and loving and doing everything that we can to be like Christ. Um... I had a note here, but apparently it went away. Anyway, this is my last quote that I'm going to read. I think it's because I think it's really good. And it kind of sums up everything we've been talking about. Um, he says, <clears throat> Thus, the doctrine of belonging comes down to this. Each one of us can affirm, Jesus Christ died for me. He thought me worthy of his blood. He loves me and can make all the difference in my life. As I repent, his grace will transform me. I am one with him in the gospel covenant. I belong in his church and his kingdom, and I belong in his cause to bring redemption to all of God's children. And that is what we are one with. That is what we belong to. We belong to this belief that 
it's okay that we make mistakes. It's actually the plan that we make mistakes and that we can not only make up for those mistakes, but we can be even better through the atonement of Jesus Christ and that everybody belongs no matter who you are. Um, I think that's beautiful and that's, I just, anyway. Um, so I'll recap my, my two questions were, how can you root out uh, racism and prejudice in your own life? And then how can you, in your callings and things like that, um, try to make sure everybody feels like they belong? Um, and, excuse me, <clears throat> maybe the whole thing. Anyway, and um, yeah, make sure that they, they feel like they belong. So my further reading, <laughs> um, there's quite a few this time because he footnotes a lot of talks. There aren't a lot of quotes from these talks, but he footnotes them. Um, I have footnote 16 written down. Hold on. Let me find it. Ah, okay. It's a talk, or sorry, not a talk. It's a, an article from Leah Hona. It's called The Everlasting Covenant, um, October of 2022. So literally this, this year uh, by President Nelson. Um, he has uh, Perfection Pending by President Nelson from the 1995 General Conference. Be Therefore Perfect Eventually by Elder Holland. I love that talk. Um, so good. <laughs> uh, 2017 General Conference. Song Sung and Unsung by General by um, Elder Holland. Also one of my absolute favorites. Talks a lot about mental health and our, our place in the choir, our belonging. Um, and it has a lot of the same themes as this talk, so that's a really good one. Belonging to the church through the lens of infertility, that was the the story that I kind of recapped about the woman who was struggling with infertility. And that's an um, a Leah Hona article from 2020. The Everlasting Covenant by President Nelson, um, which was this... Um, Why did I write down October 2022 General Conference? That's not where this is from. I'll put it in the show notes. I don't know why I put down October. Maybe I was last year's. <laughs> um, and then I put down the online course, um, the LDS Anti-Racism 101. And I'll put that link in the show notes and in my social media if you want, if you're curious or interested in, in learning any of that, if looking into any of that. Um, like I said, I haven't, I haven't listened to, I haven't watched it, but I adore their podcast. And if you're curious about their podcast as well, they go off and come follow me every week. Um, and it's beyond the block. Um, and I'll, I'll put that in my show notes as well. And they're really, really, really good. And they're funny. I love listening to them the way that they speak and they're just, they're fun to listen to as well. And they're both um, theology peeps. One is currently in 
college for theology, he's getting a degree in theology, and the other already does have a degree in theology. So they know their stuff, like they have studied. Um, and so it's really nice to have all the context and like even like Hebrew translations and things like that. So highly recommend them, um, especially now that we're starting the New Testament. So <clears throat> anyway, um, I also wanted to thank everybody who's been putting, who's like commented on YouTube videos that's, that's new for me. Last season was just a podcast and so there's not po there's not comments and I didn't really get any reviews and so it's been nice to like get on and see like comments of like oh I use this for my um I'm giving a lesson and I use this for my lesson or I listen to this for my lesson thank you and um or just like a little keep going I like your stuff so and I got in a couple of emails as well and I really appreciate that um and I YouTube was a big jump for me <laughs> being face-to-face, -face, um, it's still easier than, you know, like, like teaching a class, although I love teaching or even giving a talk because there are people watching me. Um, it's a little bit easier to do this, but it still was even easier when it was just a podcast because I was just speaking no face on my face. So it's been a little bit of extra work and a little bit of extra adjusting um but I like I like the community aspect of it and I like the that I could get comments and so comment and say hi and you know I want this to be a community I want this to be a conversation so if there's any thoughts that you have please feel free to email me or message me on social media or comment I um I really do want to hear your stories and things like that so um but yeah, I think that's all I've got for you today, and I will see you on Thursday. Thank you so much for listening to and or watching this episode of General Conference Conversations. Be sure to like and follow and share us on Facebook and Instagram. And if you like the show, please subscribe or leave a review and tell your friends and family. Also, a quick reminder that there is a physical study guide to go along with these videos. Uh, you can find that link in the description. Until next time.